0: in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're
1: listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by the Nation Network.
2: Harder and harder and Listen to that
3: listen to that a fresh local band coming at you that's what we do cam that's what we do every week we thank the british lady and then we play a local edmonton band so today we are listening to ultimata this song is called wish upon the weather as always producer jared is hooking us up we've got for the first time in what a month whole crew's back in the room boys back in town whole crew's back in the room cam is back from new york rick's back from mexico chris is here dan's here i'm here evan's here Evan's here.
4: Evan's here. Jared's over there. We've got a full Rick's house It's This is a really, really, really uh, busy room right now. It's nice and warm. It's cold outside with the space heater on in here. Everyone's, uh, everyone's bundled up. We're we do all, have a window open, though. We're all sitting on one bench together, huddled together. Chris is on my lap. Share the warmth. Evan's on Chris's lap. It's nice.
3: It's really nice. Boys, can you believe it? The Edmonton Oilers won a hockey game last night.
1: Yeah, we're really good. Wow. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> that's wild
3: you're yeah. speaking of which if you guys haven't seen yesterday's Minutemen with chris and cam where they're doing the that's wild thing over and over again go check that out it it's on wild. all our socials it's, wild. it's on the website go check that out it's wild. they do a good job the minute
4: was it wild In front of a green screen it's nice it's honestly wild how good that uh audio content is that chris and i do it is pretty wild
3: as always, I want to thank our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant for making all of this possible. Give them a follow on Twitter at Sherwood Ford. Give them a follow on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the giant. And if you're in the market for a new vehicle, go to Sherwood Park. If you're out on the town, watch out for the nation truck. Take a picture of it. Hashtag of a nation truck on social media. You will be entered into a draw for Chris. $100 gas card. You don't actually win, Chris. You could possibly win the $100 gas card.
1: Yeah. Do you want to hear a fun fact? Go ahead. Um, Over the last few days, there have been 31,000 roadside assistant calls in Alberta due to the weather. And uh, not one of them was from a vehicle purchased from Sherwood Ford. Do we know that for a fact? No. I just made that up.
3: Chris is making up stats and making up stories, but our friends at Sherwood Ford would be happy to help you with any service needs you have.
2: When you started that, I thought you were going to say there's 31,000 photos of the Sherwood Ford truck. There should be. There should be. Sent in. It's a hell of a truck. It's beautiful. All of Alberta has now entered the gas card draw. However, I feel like we should
3: not get away from talking about seven 1987 Ford Escort GTs.
2: Yeah, we haven't mentioned that I for feel like
3: we've gotten away from it. I feel like... Sherwood Ford needs to remember that this is the plan for next year. The nation truck is beautiful. It is a hell of a machine. It is a beast on the roads. However, just think of the possibilities of having seven of us cruising around in 1987 Ford Escort GTs. They're all branded. They look great. We're in all corners of the city. Do we each get like our own special custom one?
2: So No, no. no we said we were going to do our own paint job. Yes. Yeah, we do all our own
3: different colors, different designs. Yeah, like they're going to hook us up with their logos. We're gonna have nation logos, but then the rest is a the rest is just to be creative as you want. We're gonna go around and fight crime. We might fight crime. Roll around kinda of like the Autobots. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Maybe, maybe these things can transform. Think of a convoy we could have. Or 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 if you remember way back to fast in the first Fast and the Furious movie, we could look at potentially robbing semi trucks together in synchronized, you know,
2: whatever. I think it would be cool to do like a race. When, you know, like the draft is happening in Vancouver this year. So the seven of us all have to race to get there and people can track our vehicles online
1: (laughs) to see who, like the the old crazy races in the morning. We each each wear a live stream GoPro on our heads. Yeah. The whole trip. Yeah. As long as it takes
3: us. Just think of this, Sherwood Ford. All seven of us rolling in to Vancouver for the draft, pulling up to the arena in 1987. Ford Escort GTs. I'm just throwing it out there again. I feel like we've gotten away from it. I feel like you guys need to have it front of mind so we can start collecting 1987 Ford Escort GTs. Now, Boise Oilers won last night. It was a great game, actually, against the Wild. But first, I want to back up a step. I want to back up to what would last night would be Tuesday's loss against the Chicago Blackhawks. Dan, you were there. I was there. I believe Evans was there. Evans Evan was, was there as well. Boy, I, went with, was there. I went with Wanye. Yep. Yeah. We were having a great time for 40 minutes. Dan, I'm sure you were having the same. I was. It's the time of my life. And then the wheels fell off in a spectacular, in a record fashion for the Edmonton Oilers. Dan, what was, there was a whole lot going on in that third period. uh, A lot of negativity. What stood out to you from Tuesday's loss?
2: Well, the, the first thing has to be the jersey toss. That was, that was a big, big moment for us here in Edmonton. I don't think we've ever seen that before. Um, you know, it's it's a real sign of the times that people are ready to give up on this team as fast as they are. But then we won last night and everybody's back on the bandwagon.
3: Here's what I would say about the jersey toss, and I would like all of your opinions, and I'm going to get Rick in the mix on this as well. If you are thinking of taking a jersey off your back and throwing it onto the ice, don't. Yeah. Give it to a kid. 100%. Chances are there is a kid out there who would love to have... And it was a McDavid jersey that got thrown, by the way, which is doubly offensive for so many reasons. Yeah. If you are thinking of throwing your jersey onto the ice, go ahead and take it off, but donate it to a kid. There is a kid out there who would love a Connor McDavid jersey, even if it is eight sizes too big, and you can make a difference that way.
1: I would um, much rather see you post it on social media and be like, if you really want to give up and you really want to give away your jersey and like let the team know... Post on social media that like you're done with this jersey, but I'm giving it to this kid. I'm, I think when you throw when you throw it on the ice, it's a direct shot at the players, and I don't think the players are the ones you want to be mad at. this situation they're like they're literally doing the best they can right now. Like we are just not a, a well put together team. They've also that's not their fault. they've
4: also already purchased the jersey, so it's kind of like those things. You know when people got mad about the Colin Kaepernick thing and everybody was burning their NFL season tickets. It's like you already paid for this. Like you're not you're not you're not. You're not hurting Daryl Cates by throwing away the, the the merchandise you already bought. You already threw your money at that. So what are you doing?
1: And you're well, you're very likely to go back and buy another New Jersey in the next two years. I'm telling you right now,
2: DM Oilers Nation. Let us know that you want to get rid of your jersey, and I will come to you personally in the Edmonton area. And I
4: will fight you, <laughs> and I'll take Dad a picture will come of to you your place, and he will and give I'll you say, a smack.
2: I'll say thank you to you. I'll put your your photo out to the universe so you can. You can get the attention you deserve, and uh, it's not the attention they deserve. It's The no. attention well, they want, but it, and that's fine. They if that's want. if that's the attention that they want, they can have it from me. But I'll get it
0: to a to a kid that can't afford it, you know, and they uh, they'll enjoy the jersey a lot more. I agree. There's definitely a lot of people out there that deserve that jersey. Just hand it off to a little guy somewhere, little girl. They would love it. They'll appreciate it. They won't be as cynical as some of these people out there. I really don't see the point in doing this. If you don't like what's happening, just turn around and walk. Go home. What's the point in sitting there and trying to get are you trying to go viral is this is that what you're trying to do are you trying to make like what kind of statement do you think you you're gonna make out there like is that that jersey gets thrown on the ice now? Kate's okay, so like well I gotta change shit now obviously if <laughs> yeah, he's- Bob, Bob from Fort Saskatchewan just threw his uh jersey on there on the ice he's pissed I must be doing something wrong. We all know that it's not going the way we want it to the guys on the fucking ice know that it's not going the way they want it to, but this is not about. This is about what we are just left with. Like, it is out of our control. Tirelli did this. He's, this is the team he, he, he built and everybody knows what's going on. We just got to stick together and get through this and we'll be fine at the end of it. Does everybody remember, uh, after the first Jersey toss back in,
2: what was it? 20, Must have been like 20, 2014, 2013, That's why there was one earlier that. than that. And McTavish told the guy that he will drop the puck at the first home Oilers game in the playoffs and then never heard of him again (laughs) since then. But that was, was, I think that was the start of the mishandling of that kind of stuff. To me, I was at
3: the game as well. Uh, I had no idea that a Jersey got thrown on the ice. The only reason I knew is because my Twitter erupted. So Wanya and I are sitting there together and I was just like, is your Twitter going bananas right now? And he's like, yeah, so we both look and somebody had tagged us each in the video of a guy throwing the Jersey on the ice. And, To me, I think that Rick nailed it in the sense that the much more profound and effective message was delivered at about nine minutes left in the third period when everybody left. Mm, Dan, you were there. How many empty seats were there with like nine, eight, seven minutes left in the third period? It was empty, empty. It was as empty as I've seen that arena ever.
2: Yeah, it looked like Florida. At the start of the Florida games.
3: So you can't tell me that that's not going to have a more profound impact. That visual and people taking pictures of all the empty seats than one dude
4: throwing a jersey. Again, if you're going to throw the jersey. The jersey toss just also makes the fan base look bad. Yeah, of course. It was like I. So I was flying back and I landed. So I I got on my flight in Minnesota. (laughs) and i the others what was the score then The, the others had the uh it was a two to one <laughs> lead. yeah so i, I get on and, and they're two to one at the end of the first period they're going to the second with the five i i'm sitting on the airplane and i'm like yeah like they're probably gonna win this game like four or two chicago's pretty bad but then i get off and i look at my like i, I get data again and it's like and someone throws a jersey on the ice and then i go and look and like all the fans from toronto are like all the oilers fans again all the fans from calgary are shitting on it like everyone's just mocking the fan base. They're just like, lol, oilers fans. It's like, it makes us all look stupid.
1: Well, and you know what? We had at one point, like two weeks ago, we had sympathy from the rest of the fan bases in the league. They, they felt bad for us. And, uh, and now we just look like idiots.
3: Yeah, I just, I just, there's got to be a better way. they just, there's, there's got to be a way to express your displeasure more than throwing a jersey like Cam said that you already paid for on the ice.
2: There is. That's buying Oilers Nation gear.
3: Yeah. Throw that on the ice. We don't mind. You know <laughs> actually, what I mean? If you grab, if you want to throw your nation hoodie on the ice, make sure it lands logo up and then we'll, uh, <laughs> someone actually we'll go ahead
1: and replace that for you. We, uh, we launched some recent, uh, quick nation of gear plug here. We launched some, uh, recent hope will never die gear. Uh, it's a great t-shirt. Great, great, uh, hoodie. We're donating 10% of all sales to hope mission and mustard seed. Yike. Anyway, someone had a great comment on one of the photos. He asked, uh, how well will it fly over the glass? Great question.
3: I think it'd be uh, a very aerodynamic gear.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd making. rather, like Rick is alluding to right now, I'd rather it be a hat fly over the The glass.
3: hats fly well. I have thrown a nation hat on the ice. It was after a hat trick, but uh, I know Rick's down, a uh, friend of the nation, Travis Dakin's down a couple of hats. They fly very well, people. And the logo sticks straight up, so that'd be real great. Honestly, though, like, in all seriousness, don't throw shit on the ice. We're joking.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, no. And that's and I and you and you kind of spoke to it too there, bag milk that it's and I think Rick, too. It's a, it's a shot of the players. It's a shot of the players that are that are trying their damnedest. And you know what? The reality is the team as a whole just
1: can't do it on some nights. And that's just the way it is. And the next step is what Rick said, how great it was to see everyone leave at nine minutes. I mean, it sucks, but it's great to see everyone leave at nine minutes in the third period. We just need uh, that to happen. But at the beginning of the game. The casino was
3: slammed though, I can tell oh, you that. Yeah. yeah. Went in there after the game against Chicago. Sh- that Grand Villa casino was rammed with people. Good for you, Grand Villa Casino. Give everybody a place to win some money back after spending your, you know, whatever on tickets and Jersey
2: and food and all that shit. What what an investment on in real estate that was by them. <laughs> they just you know, I, I'm sure that they were probably like, you know, this is gonna be a good, good investment, but hell, they have uh they have raked it in since Rogers opened up.
3: Let's move to a positive topic. Last night's game against the Wild, I felt was probably one of the more complete games the Oilers have played in a long time against the Flyers, against the Habs, against um, Chicago. They had a lead going into the third period, but I felt like last night's game, you know, I mean, not on the shot clock. They lost the Corsi, but they played as a unit. The defensive systems looked better. They looked stronger. There was getting a lot of shots from the outside. The Wild were, I thought Talbot was great. Curious what you guys thought of last night's win, and just kind of how you think that came together.
1: It seems like the last few weeks, when we play really well offensively and outshoot the other team, we ended up losing the game. Like we we can't have best of both worlds. Last night it was what we have eleven shots after two periods. So like the the offensive side of the game was very poor. Um, but it was nice to see some depth scoring. Uh, but Talbot had a great game. We played great defensively. So it's like. We're so inconsistent and it's frustrating, but it was really nice to see them actually bounce back. The
2: most important thing of that game was that we went into the third period with two-goal lead. So that when we gave that, up that first goal to Ekman, Eckers, Ekman Joel Erickson, Eck. That, that guy that we could have had
0: with is the 16th Is that a hyphenated last pick?
4: name? Does he have like a mom whose last name is Erickson and his dad's last name is Eck? Yeah, that's a good question. Wasn't he one of the fair. guys
0: we may have drafted with the yep. uh, 32 yep. or 33? Absolutely. With the 16.
4: They were talking about him with the 16. Everyone was like, oh, you shouldn't trade it because they could have drafted Barzal. And then it's like, oh, wait, no. The Oilers actually would have still fucked up if they their, kept their pick. They would have picked hyphenated deck.
2: But he was their best. To his credit, he was their best player on the ice last
4: night. I think it might have been Jason Zucker. Wow. when he uh, really gave it
0: to Chris Russell. Just destroyed Chris binet. Russell. Just absolutely murked him. He's so lucky that it bounced off his shoulder, though. Like, if he, if his face hit the post, that oh, would have been really bad. But the, you know what the real the real thing of the last night was was special teams. Uh, we were able to keep him off the board when it came to the penalty kill, which unfortunately we were, weren't not able to do. Uh, the rest of the way the last three games and our power play it's it's looking good man i know we would like one more right hand shot out there to make things a little bit easier but when you've got you know two of the top five leading scorers in the league give us an extra man and i think we're uh, we're good to go well it's crazy how a power play that
2: is finally getting some shots off is effective i don't know it just uh...
3: well and and to your exact point dan look at daryl's goal that opened the scoring that was a fucking weak goal on dubnik but all he did is he lined it up and he clapped it at the net I don't feel like the Oilers just shoot enough. I feel like they're always looking for a pretty passing play. I feel like they're never greasy. Like they're not, they're not the early two thousands Oilers. Do you know what I mean? The ones that would just drive the net and they may not outskill you, but fuck man, they would outwork you in the greasy areas. And I think the Oilers are missing that.
1: How good has Daryl looked? Just like orchestrating the power play on the back end,
3: he's looked really good. And I, I also think that it helped him um having clefbaum back and knocking his minutes down a little bit Clefbaum was the team high around 23 minutes darnell was under that for the first time in a while do you know what i mean he's been playing up near 30 which is way too much for him so i think that's just going to help overall and i think he's earned the spot on that top power play unit for now at least right
1: oh yeah absolutely i think power uh, play has been it's been flying yeah
3: i want to go back to the russell thing real quickly Last night, Evan posted the GIF on uh, ON's Twitter Mm -hmm. and on Instagram. And I'm curious what you thought, if it was a dirty play or not. Personally, I did not think it was a really dirty play. I thought, unfortunately, Russell... You know, it was not a great hit on Russell in where it was at. But I think he more so caught an edge and went into the net
1: than was tossed into the net. I feel like if the net wasn't there, he would have been able to stand on his feet.
2: Oh, 100%. But that was and that was my issue with Evan's work was that he didn't uh, have both angles because the other angle standard mediocrity from Evan one hundred percent so we expect uh, the other angle the front angle shows that Zucker took a peek to see where where Russell was and where the he could see where the net was and and he made the play it's a two minute penalty and the Oilers did the exact the exact thing you need to do on a penalty like that and they scored on the resulting power play but. But I just I don't like that play. I think it's just it's an unnecessary rub out. That yeah. the
0: I don't know. I think it's not that bad. I I think we went through this a couple of games ago where we were the on the we were the ones who got a penalty. Uh, somebody came in and tried to mess with Luch. Yeah, Luch it was and you put him through the boards. Yep. And then there was another play too. I think somebody went up to hit Leon, and they went they were going to go at it. You know, just kind of bump into each other, and Leon outstrength them and knocked the kids on his ass and took a penalty for it it's one of those things where you're coming back there. It's a bit of a battle for the puck. And yeah, if you're going to, I'm going to give him a little bump into the net too. I mean, it's definitely an unfortunate result, but there was no malicious, malicious attempt behind it. And I honest, I, the fact we got a power play. Thank you very much. I very much appreciate that, but I don't think I would go put my arm in the air to make that call.
1: Yeah. I think it's a, I, I would have been happy with no call or a call. Um, it's much easier to call. I would have been happy with
4: any outcome,
1: as long as the no, referees, I'm as long as the referees get their credit. That's, I'm essentially that's like right in the middle on that. Um, I think it was. It's easier for the ref to sell a penalty on that play than explain to the coach why it wasn't a penalty, just because of the violence um, of the hit and the outcome of it. So the I result, mean, and the down. result, yeah. Maybe
2: maybe it's just because I run hockey fights, but I, I would rather have seen a
4: fight. With Zucker there than a, uh, than a penalty, honestly. That's the exact opposite. I would have if if the Oilers had responded to that and gone and like dropped the gloves there rather than taking their two minutes, that would have been like the most unfortunate thing because it's like Russell gets hurt and then someone goes to the box for five minutes and an instigator. You don't get the. You don't well, care. that's
2: where I'm saying like the instigator yeah. is the issue there. Because if they if there wasn't the instigator, then you just fight them, and then that's over. If the no Oilers
4: way. don't get that power play, like there's a there's a there's a fair chance they don't end up winning the game. Like I mean, Talbot made a bunch of big saves late, but if they don't get that power play that they converted on with that really nice tic tac toe goal, and because you know like Minnesota scored early to make it two one in the third, they had momentum, they were crushing the shots. Like that power play was a game changer. Yeah, and I, I think I
3: agree. And Russell had to go off for some repairs, and of course the Cowboy comes back after couple of quick repairs just like you can get from our friends at Sherwood Ford the giant Chris you need some service you head on
1: out there oh right huh that's
3: why guys this is my my segue game is getting stronger as we go here go follow them on Twitter at Sherwood Ford on Instagram at Sherwood Ford the giant go see them out in Sherwood Park go talk to the people at Sherwood Ford they're fine folks and maybe just maybe you might even get a smile from the ambassador of smiles Gus himself
1: yeah, stop at their uh, snack shop and get some popcorn, get some coffee.
3: You guys, uh, again, I want to mention, you guys went out to Sherwood Ford a little while ago, did a bunch of content, hung out with the boys out there. They are good, good people. Go check them out in Sherwood Park, Alberta. One big thing that happened this week that I want to touch on is Austin Matthews signed his new, well, his second contract in the league. It was a five-year deal with an $11.63 million cap hit. Personally, I was very surprised that the Leafs allowed him to sign a, f- sign a five-year deal. Um, to Matthew's credit, he's maximizing his earnings as a player, and you've got to respect that. I would never begrudge a player for signing. Here's the thing I always look at. Lucic overpaid, yeah, sure. Chris Russell overpaid, yeah, sure. But if you're sitting on the other end of the table and Cam slides me a contract with that number in front of me, am I not supposed to sign it? It's never the
4: player's fault. Always it's the, never the player's never fault. Never get mad at the player for getting paid because you never know... So, like, if you take a team-friendly short-term deal and you get injured and your career is over, no team out there is going to hook you up. They
3: like don't know we saw shit. that.
4: We saw that with Curtis Glencross when he took his uh, team-friendly deal with the Flames, and then all of a sudden his deal with the Flames over and he's injured and old and nobody wants to sign him again. Left millions of dollars on the table.
3: You're you're 100 right. So what I want to what I want to get down to is I agree that you don't blame the player ever. It's the team that it's up to them to try and negotiate. And the interesting thing with these young players now is they're coming out of their EL season to some big, big deals. And I'm curious what you guys think of Austin Matthews' deal because before the season started, people were talking about him getting Connor money, Connor money over eight. But to me, looking at this, 11.63, Connor's at 12.5, 900K, but you've got three extra years of Connor McDavid on his deal. I wanna go around the horn, get what you guys think. Cam, you are a
4: resident Toronto sports expert. I'm going to start with you. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I was I'm shocked at how bad this was for Toronto. And I mean, like, I I'm one person who pretty adamantly a lot of people you'll see on Twitter will be like, oh, it's impossible to build a good team when you overpay for your good players or whatever. I think it's more more an issue when you overpay for bad players. Like Edmonton's cap issues aren't Dry Sidal and McDavid at 21 million combined. It's Russell Lucic... You know, Manning, yeah, Manning, blah, 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 blah. Every single fucking death by thousand paper cut Chiarelli move. That's what like, that's what fucks you over. But this, this Matthews deal is the exact thing that if McDavid had signed this in Edmonton, Leafs fans would have mocked us relentlessly. If McDavid did five years here, whatever the annual cap hit is, they would have been howling with laughter at how he wanted to get out. And that's kind of what it suggests for me is it's like, I mean, Matthews didn't show any loyalty to the club nor should he, but Dubas wasn't able to grind him into eight years when he's handing out the second biggest cap hit in the NHL. Like, that is not a good look. They're still paying him a little bit of potential, I
0: think. Yeah, Uh, I don't think he's uh, in the long run. I'm okay with I'm okay with that number. I know you're supposed to be where, you know, he's supposed to be the next one after after Connor and whatnot. I don't think he's really proven that yet. Uh, It's in it's in the stats. Go look at all of them. He's not quite there yet, but I think He's probably one of the greatest goal scorers in the league right now, um, but yeah, I still think you're you're paying for a little bit of a, of potential. And if he wants five years, I'm sorry, it's got to be under ten. then yes. I think
4: because I don't think he's heads and
0: tails better than Jack Eichel, who signed for ten. His million whole team's years. gonna have an issue now, though. <laughs> well, now like what well, like is, he's gets what a half a million dollars more than Tavares? Yeah. And now we've got Marner sitting sitting in the in, in, in waiting because Marner the definitely
4: at? doesn't think he's worth less than Matthews. Marner thinks he's equal to or greater than Matthews. So like you're not going to be able to convince Marner now to take nine mil like some people suggested.
1: I don't know. This is why I think it was a good move on Toronto's part because I think they are, I think they're going all in in the next five years. I think that's their window, and especially with Taveras, he's twenty eight. So Tavares doesn't have much time before he starts to slow down. So I think um, giving Matthews that contract allows, uh, if they would have signed him long-term, probably would have been a couple mil more. Elliot Freedman
3: reported in 31 Thoughts probably would have been around 14. Okay,
1: okay, so 14. So that's three mil a year difference. Now Toronto in the next five years has a th- three mil space that they can add some death players. They can add a couple couple players to add to their uh, Tavares, mm-hmm. Matthews, maybe Marner core Nealander core um and like they can go all in in the next five years and, and sure, uh the two years after the five years that they could be missing out on Matthews will suck but I mean they have they have a specific window here with Tavares in the club and I think to add to
2: your point Chris too, it and I hate to support too much Toronto stuff but Kuma and I you talked about it uh, about uh the fact that they're now set up for potentially Marner getting offer sheeted in the offseason which would be the absolute perfect scenario for them they go into an offer sheet, they get at the very minimum three first round draft picks for him.
0: but I'm just like,
2: but I mean, like, I'm just saying like, even at, even at worst, they get a, they get the three first round draft picks for him, which just sets them up.
4: Now imagine you have eight first round picks in the next four years and you have a bunch of money to throw at, say like Eric Carlson. Yep. Right. Not that bad.
2: So it's just, it it, like there's, there's situations there. I don't know if it necessarily happens if, if teams
4: are even willing to do offer sheets anymore outside of Edmonton. Um, because uh, Penner was the last one that actually happened, right? But we've seen a few that got matched. Like there was the insane one that Shea Philly Weber Shea was Weber. Uh, gnarly. That was yeah. that. That was nuts. And then there was there was one. I remember Nick Charmelson got one. I think I remember Ryan Kessler way back. But we one. always talk about uh, how these Leafs players are going to get offer sheeted, but then we never talk about, say, like Braden Point in Tampa Bay. Like, yeah, sure. Braden Point might be better than Marner and Matthews, and you know they have Kucherov, Hedman, Stamkos signed for all eight mil or more. And I mean, how are they going to fit that guy in?
2: But I think too, for Coom, you can t- kind of speak to, to other fans that maybe don't know uh, that in the Leafs verse, there's a lot of, there's a lot of background talk about how Marner just isn't going to be in, want to be in Toronto anymore. Anyways, like he hit the, that side of the negotiations is, is ugly, right? That one's going to be interesting
3: because yeah. that interview from, I guess it was his agent in the summer talked about the Leafs lowballing Marner and that they weren't going to even talk until the season's over. You look at Mitch Marner right now, he's on pace for... He could get to 100 points, may get close, whatever it is. Talk about setting yourself up for a big payday if you come into a contract negotiation with a three-digit point total.
4: Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's the same thing that we saw with with, with the dry sidle after his deal. Like If the Oilers had extended dry sidle uh, after his second year when he was... You know, pretty good, not great, rather than waiting, then I bet you they could have had dry saddle at 5.5 5 or 6.
3: Yeah. So, another thing that I thought was interesting, going back to Matthews again quickly from 31 Thoughts, is their word on the street was he could have gotten 12 over eight in the summer, but Dubas didn't do it. And I wonder if that's going to be one of those things that down the road people are going to look at yeah. poor, with like, you know, negatively, because that would have been ideal for them in the scenario where. Even if he sticks in Toronto five years from
4: now, he's going to get a raise. What is that going to be? 15, 16 at the time? At that time, 20. Who knows? Maybe more, yeah. But what it also does on a more positive side for the Leafs, and I guess what you can argue with these like middling bridge contracts, is since he's only signed for five years, he has that nugget in front of him that he's going to become a UFA at 27. And he's like, all right, I want to be the second best, best player in the league when I hit unrestricted free agency in the Leafs. They may end up losing out on him as a UFA, but they're going to get five really, 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 really good years.
3: Well, what I think is going to be interesting too is how teams respond to their star players as they head into free agency. Do you know what I mean? We saw Tavares, the Islanders obviously kept him, they wanted to sign him, didn't happen. A guy like Matthews, now they only bought one year of UFA status, he could leave if he wanted to. So I wonder if there's going to be a trend now in the NHL where teams may, if they don't think they're going to sign their big guy, trade them with a year left on their deal at the draft, rather than right at the deadline before they expire. Do you know what I mean? To get maximize your return.
2: Well, and I think that there's something to to that where we see a lot more camaraderie with players on the outside of the game, and so when they're away from the game, they're they're buddy buddy, and and so you're going to see a shift maybe towards an NBA style. You know, buddies going to buddy's team
0: instead of uh, instead of being loyal to the team that drafted them. I can see the teams being smarter now, too, though, because if you look a lot, a lot of the really bad contracts, they're the ones that are signed at twenty nine, thirty, thirty one, where you give the guys six, seven years. Whereas if you can take the if you can take your your heart out of it, maybe it's best to trade the guy at twenty eight, twenty nine. That's where he is. His max value bring in whatever you can and restart doing this. So you have like, I mean, look, one guy I'm really worried about us looking at is someone like Wayne Simmons, who's yeah. going to, who's like what, uh, 30, I think, or 31. That's going to be the next Luchy deal right there. And exactly. And that's where, that's where I'm coming from, right? But like, you don't want to get involved with that. You need to stay away from the Luch type contracts that really weigh you down. And it's all about the youth and cheaper. And, you know, you pay your Connors and your Leons and whatnot. And Connor's going to get his contract afterwards. And having said that, I have to sit here and look in the mirror and go, "Well, what are we going with Leon at the end of his? Like, it, if I if I think it's time we have to start trading these guys, well, one of these guys is going to have to go, or we may have to look at trading him, of to give him like another eight year, and, and ha- after year three he starts to dip down. That's I think the whole league's going to start turning that way, though. That's why, if I'm Toronto, I have literally zero
4: problem with letting Marno go for four first run picks. Mm -hmm. Like, none whatsoever. Because if you... Man, just like having eight firsts in the next four years, the influx of players you could bring in with Matthews and Tavares, like, that makes your life so much easier. You You would
3: restock your stables just just very quickly.
4: Like, if you could bring in, like, I mean, it hasn't worked out for us per se, but if you're bringing in like a Kyler Yamamoto type mid-first every year, then I think... You know, like you're, you're doing pretty well. It
3: also like, and I I know you always draft. You should draft best player available always. But if you had a situation where you have eight first round picks over four years, maybe you could look at drafting for need or trading down oh, a little yeah. bit with the second pick. Do you know what I mean there's It'll, that would create a lot more options. It
1: allows you to be a little more picky.
2: The important thing for this whole discussion, though, is, you know, is for it, the difference between the Edmonton's and the Toronto's is that Toronto is now competing for a for a playoff run, a deep playoff run. Whereas we still have a lot of work to do, and so that's, well, that is sad. That's, that's sad. The Well, issue. that's
3: not the Oilers' fault, though. That's Peter no, no, Shirelli's fault. No, I Agree. And it's fucking ridiculous that we're talking about this when you look at on January or June twenty fourth, the day before Connor's draft, that they just had a stack of high end offensive players on this team that this could have been the Oilers right now. Oh, you would they have been at a spot this year where maybe they had to trade some of those guys? Sure. Yeah, that's fine. Sure.
4: You're, but you're, it's you're, like you'd much rather be in a position where you're overflowing with amazing players that are making too much money and you have to give them away for prospects and picks that you just can't fit them in, then you're in the position that we're in now where you're desperately seeking for talent, you can't find it. Boys so, things Sing, Boy got a little bit spicy here, you know? Talking contracts,
3: talking leafs, talking extensions, talking leafs. That just reminds me of our friends at GetSauce.
4: Go check them uh, out. GetSauce.com. You <laughs> know, 96. I would say that. Your segues make you a wisecracker, which is that the word of the day. <laughs> the, word of the, of the word day of the day is a hey, wisecracker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, nice. You are a person with an <laughs> affection or wisdom or knowledge, which is regarded with scorn or irritation by others.
1: Yep. I was wondering yeah, why. That's 100% that, that fits. I was wondering why you just had that page. I just had the page on open on Google like and I was like, less. how do
4: I pronounce this? What does it mean?
3: Today's uh, second half of the podcast brought to you, and word of the day, of course, brought to you by our friends at Get Sauce. Go check them out at getsauce.com. Do a little shopping for yourself. Give your, give your mouth feelings a massage with flavor. Or, you know what you could do, Chris? You could do what we all did this week. Head to Oodle Noodle and try the new Firebox. Ooh, it is a collaboration with Get Sauce and Oodle Noodle, two of our good partners, and it was, boys, it was fucking delicious.
1: Chris and Cam... Dan, not so much. A little bit. You guys are sweating up a storm. Yep. No, yeah. I don't know if I've is. I had like an awkward sweat going on. Like it wasn't. I don't know. I've just never you were just, like you that. You feel like you were sitting in a hot tub, but I felt it in the back of my head. Like I think so. Like I. I could just feel the moisture dripping down my hair. And I was only like three bites in.
3: You guys had a nice glow. It was a nice shine. It was strange. That was
1: my second firebox, so I'm a firebox veteran. That's the
4: nice thing about a receding hairline is you <laughs> <laughs> don't Evan, do you listen up? Yeah, Evan, listen up, because Evan's also of the Receding Hairline Guild, like myself. Uh the nice thing about a receding hairline is it has a lot of flow space for if you get sweaty. Sure. It's like an eaves trough for your head.
3: I think you could be a bandit, like a, a sweatband guy like LeBron oh. used to
4: be. Oh, absolutely. When, I be whenever nice. I go to the gym, I wear a headband. Fuck yeah, you should. Big headband guy, look, lots of cool patterns and designs. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of my aesthetic now. I think what Cam is trying to say,
3: <laughs> go check out GetSauce.com. <laughs> exactly
4: what I'm trying to say. If, you're, if you have a receding hairline and you want to eat some hot sauce, then throw on a bandana and eat some hot sauce. And nobody will know that you're sweating and nobody know that you're
1: balding.
3: Last night, boys, Ken Hitchcock took a puck to the head and should have been wearing a
1: bandana and he didn't draw blood i just like did it so i think so
3: i was near a radio because i had to do a phone call at the time but i was near a radio so i'm half listening to my call half listening to rob brown tell a story on the broadcast with reed a friend of the nation reed wilkins back when rob brown was playing under ken hitchcock he told a story of a guy throwing something from up top in the stands and hitting Hitchcock right in the temple on the bench.
2: The reverse Gulletson.
3: And he just collapsed. And nobody knew what happened or what hit him. There was like just coach down kind of thing. And as he was telling that story, all I could think of was how lucky he didn't get hit in a worse spot with a puck because that was just a guy just turned around, ripped it, a clearing attempt that went, you know, that went high. But he was talking to the players, talking to the coaches, looking at video, whatever he was doing, but he took on right in the melon.
1: Yeah. And I mean, he, it hit him in the side of the head, like a few inches over, hits your temple, hits your jaw, hits your, your nose. eye. Yeah.
3: Whatever. It's scary. Very it scary. Is,
1: it is pretty wild
2: to think that, like, referees get hit in the head all the time. The players get hit in the face all the time. And we've never had something like catastrophic from a
1: puck. Uh, and, well, like, we have. There's plenty of guys that have had their teeth blown out. Well, that's not. I, I mean, it's I'm talking like dead, oh, like catastrophic, dead. catastrophic. I'm
4: honestly like, it's shocking that we don't have more like, uh, dead people on our hands. Dan's going dark here. Yeah. yeah, I yeah like,
1: wow. Yeah. I think <laughs> they should implement a rule where all coaching staff have to wear helmets. Oh, that'd be so bad. Oh, <laughs> things,
3: get, things get super lawyery and they're just like all, all coaching staff put the helmets
2: on. Wrap them in foam. Just the maybe
3: best maybe thing. You could do something sweet like a uh, Power Ranger helmet. You change it up, change up your looks. You look like Daft Punk out there on the bench directing traffic.
2: I got like, nice. like
4: Dead Mouse on the bench. Yeah, yeah man. That'd be, Mac T would be the Mac T becomes the coach of the others again next year because, of course, and then he's the last coach not to wear a lid on the bench. And he
1: takes yeah. Harvey the Hound's head and <laughs> okay, puts it on about, his own. How about the coaches throw on iron masks, like face masks? And then you can see like the play by plays and all the highlights in your mask through your eyes. Great. Iron Man? Oh, I said Iron Mask? You said Iron Shit. Mask. Iron Mask. Is- a completely different Yeah, the movie. Leo DiCaprio
3: movie, Man <laughs> in the Iron Mask. Great movie. Great movie. If you haven't why don't they seen just put, Leo's
4: performance in that, you're gonna want to go and check that out this weekend, I think. Why don't they spread the netting over the bench and make it really difficult for the players to get off the bench, but everyone's safe.
3: Yeah, you can no longer jump over the boards. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah.
1: You gotta the crawl, crawl underneath.
3: Like you're like, yeah, you yeah, can, yeah, like yeah, a yeah. net and you're like ripping through it. See, now we're putting our heads together, boys. The reason though that I brought Hitchcock up, it was uh What was interesting this last week was that he sat up in the standings or in the stands during practice, and Glenn Gullitson was running practice for the Edmonton Oilers. And I'm curious what you think about that. Is that just a different perspective? Is that something more? Depending on who you listen to, some of the radio hosts around town, some of the media are kind of almost suggesting changes, maybe?
2: Well, and like we were warned, I think we, I think, We heard it from former players that have played under Hitchcock that we were warned before this that he's not really a coach that jives with the millennial. That's what
4: George said. Yeah,
2: that's right. Yeah, that is true, George. He said that the Oilers uh, made the wrong decision bringing in Hitchcock. Right, and he's the kind of guy that's going to be uh, pretty tough on you and wants to maintain his systems. And if you don't, you're going to hear it from the coach. So maybe, just maybe, there's some smoke or some fire where the smoke is coming from.
0: So I don't think the coaching... We never should have got rid of uh, Todd in the first place. Well, that's yes. I mean, obviously, I think the whole issue was well above him. It was uh, Pete. Nonetheless, uh, when they brought in Hitchcock, I knew it was going to be for just the rest of this year. He's going to come in. He's going to go kind of old school on you guys. He might actually teach you a couple of things, but it's going to get old. It's going to get old fast. And especially if this roster does not play above where they should be playing, it's going to get old because we're not going to be winning all the time. So when I saw that the other day, when I start to hear this that it might be time for somebody else, it doesn't surprise me. I never expect Hitch to be here at the end of the, at the end of the year. Um, I think the only way the only way you do it is if they really believe they're in the playoffs. Otherwise, it's just another. It just makes the organization look bad. All right, players, listen. He's not going to be here next year. Obviously, the new GM's going to bring his own coach, own philosophies. Let's just tough it out. Let's get through the next couple months here, and it is what it is. Whatever. Uh was sitting up in the stands, though. I think that is a he just wants a different perspective. Let someone else handle it and watch from above. Maybe when you're on the ice, you don't see things as clearly. If you look at any training camp and whatnot, the coach is usually in the stands, anyways. The assistants run it, or the AHL coach runs it, and he sits up top and he's able to watch everything, as opposed to you know getting focusing in on one guy on the ice. I
1: think if uh, if that was Ken Hitchcock's decision to put himself in the stands, I think it's a genius veteran move because after I don't care what coach you have after six losses in a row, the last thing those players want to do is go on the ice and get bitched at by the same guy for the past 20 games. And they know exactly what it's going to be like. They know exactly what they need to do. And it's that they obviously are losing him in that, in that current situation. So for Hitchcock to just pull himself off, uh, give the players a a brief break. I think uh, it doesn't matter what coach it is no matter how annoying the coach is, i think that's a good move for anybody
3: another interesting thing that the others are doing behind the bench too is Manny Viveros is now on the bench after spending the first half of the season up in the up in the uh
4: up in the press box why was he up in the press box in the first place that's a very good question i mean he's supposed to be the power play wizard and i mean he,
2: he, I, was he, that was yeah that was the initial Rick just kind of <laughs> piped in there that it was initially it was a um, a thing where he was supposed to do the first two periods of a
4: game and then come down. Cause he was third. doing the NFL style thing where they're watching from above and he's relaying info and shit.
3: But the interesting thing about Viveros and Gregor wrote about Oilers nation a couple of days ago, he's known as a very strong players coach and a tactician. And yeah, it was, that was in junior that we were talking about, but you know, guys move up. So I wonder how much of that players coach aspect of his personality and of his coaching style is the reason that they brought him onto the bench now. If you've got a hard ass like Hitchcock that's like directing traffic and yelling at the boys, wouldn't be the worst
4: idea to have a soft touch on the other side of like Especially if you're learning details. Like it, it's hard to learn details when when someone's angry at you. And right. I say that as a millennial. It's uh <laughs> it's it's not easy to have someone, you know, like if you don't understand something, you know, someone's barking at you. It's it's like yeah, that's not how it, we that's not how we absorb information.
3: <laughs> you <is> need <laughs> to have I I just it's confusing why it took half a season to get this guy down there who's known as an up and comer. And it'll be really interesting to see what the new GM and new coach or whatever does with this coaching staff. Daryl Cates is paying for all the coaches, apparently. Um, (laughs) But it is interesting to me that they're making changes in their coaching philosophy over the last week, two weeks. And I wonder where that comes from. I would love to be a fly on the wall and know why Manny Viveros is now on the bench as opposed to what they were doing before. Why is Gulutzin running the practice? Is Hitchcock being tuned out a little bit? Like George maybe said a
4: couple of weeks ago, because they could be like there. There's there's no way they're gonna they're gonna fire Ken Hitchcock. It would be such a PR nightmare. It would look so bad. No, but there is a chance that they're softening him and they're allowing the assistants to kind of like take control here, which. I mean, it makes a little bit more sense than firing someone, firing two coaches in one year, and like, oh, that looks bad. Has that ever been done before? Anybody know off the top of their head? Two coaches in one year? I don't think so. That'd be yeah. gnarly. Yeah, that'd be that would be like a new a new accomplishment for this era of the Oilers. I so think, maybe
3: we go for it, right? Like, there's <laughs> I, always got to oh, yeah. be a first, right?
2: I think with Hitchcock, you'd probably see him retire before you'd see him get fired.
3: He's just like, if there's a press conference announcement on a Monday, and it's just like.
4: I'm going back to sharpen skates. Yeah. Fuck this shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. This yeah. Is, You can uh, you can find me United Cycle if you want to buy like a new 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 stick. But I'm I'm not I'm over this team. I just I don't know what to say. You know, um, I don't know what to say. It's gonna be interesting to see what
3: plays out with the Oilers. You know, we're only a few weeks away from the trade deadline now. Um, there's some big decisions to come. There's some collapse uh, cap space that needs to get cleared out. And I. I'm at a point now where it's like Jesus, take the wheel. What's going on? I'm just here for the ride, and I'm here just to like I'm strapped in, and let's do this. Let's let's see what happens, and let's see where we go.
2: Well, I think too, it's one of those things for us. You know, it's it's hard for the four of us, the five of us, to to walk away from the Oilers and just kind of turn it off because we are surrounded by it on a daily basis. But it is it is healthy to take a to just let it, you know,
0: let it be. Being a very mm-hmm. optimistic person, I'm gonna tell you, I think this is from inside the organization, they are starting to understand that we need to be run by the newer era of say coaches and GMs and whatnot. So when you've got you brought in Hitchcock, that was a trelly move, whatever, call it what it is. Um, they're seeing it's not working. Maybe Connor's gone and talked to somebody, maybe you know, Gullitson went and talked to somebody, say, listen, this is not really working so well, they're coming to me, I'm coming to you. This to me looks like we are starting to figure this shit out a bit and like I said I'm a very optimistic person so maybe that's all this is. But if we're trying to spin to like the new the guys who are tacticians and deal with millennials and are <laughs> player coaches and uh, maybe that is the new direction for the t- for the whole organization and we don't have to be so glum and dark and worried about things we're Starting the we're starting the track in the right way. We're gonna get a, a proper GM that's along the same lines, and by this time next year, we'll be right where the Flames are, and they could be where we are. I think my mindset right now is that we there's so much anger built
1: up in the Tirelli era, and that that was the only thing you could focus on. And
3: I I think also we were right to be angry about the Chirilli totally. era, Definitely.
1: but but now now that Chirilli's gone, we know that like we. We sh- can't and we won't. I feel comfortable saying that we won't make any rash moves. And so we just kind of have to let the, the ship do its thing and we'll see what happens. A lot of
4: rebuilding this Oilers team and becoming competitive again will ultimately come down to just like being patient. I think like we hate we hate the term patient. But like the reality is, is there's bad contracts yeah, like you can't buy out Spooner and Manning and, you know, push that over years like they did with Gryba and Pouliot. You got to just let it ride just like acquire some talent through the draft, take it a little bit slower. Like they can make the playoffs this year. They can make it next. But like, I really don't think now given what Chirelli did when he came in, which was like piss away so much talent to fill holes, but not actually fill the holes. I don't think we're going to see whoever the next GM is come in and just guns ablaze make a bunch of trades, which is good. It's like, you're not going to see the guy come in and trade Ryan Nugent Hopkins for
3: a scoring winger. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't make any fucking sense. That's a very Shirelli thing to do. I mean, signing Koskinen into a three-year contract immediately before the All-Star break, though Talbot's playing every game. You know, that is crazy. It's crazy, and it makes me upset, and it makes me feel fire in my belly, just like the Carolina (laughs) Reaper sauce that you can get exclusively at (laughs) getsauce.com.
2: Say it ain't so. What? I feel like I'm just, I'm on a roll here. You, I, I have to give a little peek behind the curtain
4: because you've had the Reaper sauce up since the last one.
2: <laughs> you, are just, uh,
4: you are just such a wise occur. That was, That was wild. I was, uh, basically,
3: honestly, Dan, I was trying to figure out which of these sauces <laughs> that I'm staring at that I could kind of crowbar into this plug. Which one I could make, you know. Hey,
2: they're all good. They're all delicious
1: sauces. They're way.
3: all delicious, and you're going to get them for yourselves and your family and your mouth feelings. Well, thank you for it. Go to getsauce.com. Give them an email. Sales at Getsauce.com.
1: You know what I'm getting, uh, Caitlyn, for Valentine's Day? Sauce pack. Yeah, nice. just all the sauce. Hell wow. Yeah. Do you know which ones you're getting? All of them. All of them. Wow. I'm just kidding. I don't know for sure. Your but. fridge
3: space, your fridge space is going to be limited, my friend, because they have got so many varieties. I don't know how
4: <laughs> you could just not have them all. That's again. just the way to a girl's heart is hot sauce. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Or.
4: No, nope. could be uh,
1: no. I wouldn't go there. <laughs> no, no, no,
2: no. I just wouldn't go there. I just walk <laughs> no, away from that no, no. one. It, it, it's, a gonna, gonna it's a way to get into trouble,
1: Chris.
4: Whatever you do with your wife and your hot sauce in your bedroom is
1: you. I was going to say it's a way to a man's heart as well to all of our uh, lady listeners. Yeah, I would love yeah, some hot absolutely. Sauce, I, hot I would hot love time. some hot sauce as well, Who Caitlin. Would? If you're listening to this, Chris would She's like a... all the hot whoa. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't
4: listen to us. You're telling me you're in a relationship with someone that doesn't consume your content unbelievable that's really sad chris unbelievable that's really sad i remember being at your wedding and one of the wedding vows that caitlin said is she said i will consistently consume all of your content whether written (laughs) whether audio visual i will consume it i will watch it i will enjoy it i will comment if
1: i feel the need yeah she hasn't been keeping up with that. so
4: maybe you guys should go hit up some marriage
1: counseling (laughs) okay (laughs) brought to you by get sauced (laughs) thanks for the relationship advice cam
3: One thing that I want to bring up, boys, is uh, Sam Reinhardt.
1: This is a doozy.
3: Of course you remember the Reinhardt name. We once had Big Cat Griffin Reinhardt. There's still time, boys. He could still make it back. You never know. But his brother Sam in Buffalo said... uh, The Sabres are not having a great time right now. And he had a quote that I thought was interesting. He said, there's too many mistakes. We can't expect to win hockey games 6-5, 7-6. We need more from our goalies, and we need it from the start of hockey games. It's frustrating. This is the NHL we're talking about. You don't normally hear guys this candid or pointing fingers at their teammates. And I'm curious what you think of this quote and Reinhardt essentially throwing his goaltenders under the bus. Chris, I'm going to start with you as our... (laughs) Only member of the goalie guild in the room. I want to know your thoughts.
1: Um, I think like I love candid interviews and I wish people would be more honest, but that's something you just keep inside the room. Like <laughs> I you, like when you're candid, but don't do that. Well, not, not don't when go you're against a the goalie on the bus. Like you go right to the goalie and tell him to get his act together. Like we need you to do better. You don't tell the media that. And maybe we don't know the full story. Maybe he already told that and maybe. You gave him a heads
0: up, like, "Hey, I'm going to throw you under the bus." <laughs> well, it's both goal. It's both goalies, though. So it's like a tandem. It's a tandem. Yeah, but Do you I, hear I, those wheels rolling down the road? Yeah, those. That's the bus coming for you. Here yeah, you, go. you
1: don't. You don't say. You don't throw your teammates under the bus.
0: It's tough to comment though, because I know I can't say I've watched more than 30 seconds of the Sabres all year, unless they are playing the Oilers. They so, got pounded by the Oilers. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, that was a horrible game. Well, The alternators definitely didn't look good, and they do need a little finger wagging at them.
2: It was pointed out by one of the, I think it was one of the Buffalo media guys, that like three of the goals last night against the Carolina Hurricanes were just like right in front of the net, guy unmarked. We'll have Evan post a couple of those on our social media. I'm looking at the overtime winner right now, and Tara Vinan. And Justin Williams had a two-on-zero breakaway in overtime, and Justin Williams just waved Teravine in by him, and uh, he went in and deked around. Uh, I think it was Hutton, and that was it. So it, you know, it's one of those things. Like there's 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 context to it, and it, and, it, and it, to bring it back to the Oilers too. There's been a lot of criticism of Cam Talbot recently. There's horrible, been a lot of criticism horrible, of Konskan as well. Criticism, horrible, and that's, wrong. And that's what I'm trying to say is that it's just it's it, it, when you look at when you look at Talbot's outings situationally as opposed to just looking at his box scores, it's a, it's an entirely different game. He Yes, he lets in four or five goals, but and he allows the first shot on, on some goals. But sometimes, and more often than not, that's on a power play, or that's on a screenshot, or that's a guy sitting, sitting in the slot, wide open with nobody around him marking him.
1: Yeah, but I don't care what situation you're in, even if all the situations in Tal- for Talbot's goals against were terrible, and uh, he definitely should have been stopping the pucks. What, what would you do if Milan Lucic just went to the media and was like nah,
0: Cam's got to play better we need him like He's got that good character he would never do that. That's kind of why we brought him here so he wouldn't put anybody under the bus like that. <laughs> but that's but I get like but that's what I'm trying
2: to say is it's just like it the team should be the team should be living as a team and dying as a team and that's and that's and fans should be doing that too. And it you know it, it it's uh it's something to see with uh, a guy even like Lucic where you know he's been He's been played on the top line, and he doesn't necessarily belong up there by his by his play. But we don't have a lot of wingers to replace him, and we don't have a lot of other
0: places to place him. So yeah, it's a ball. It's definitely a ballsy quote by uh, by Reinhardt. It's probably not exactly what you want to do. Um, there, I I would assume that it's probably been brought up in the room a couple of times first. But at the end of the day, if it happened over here, and I I watch all these games here, I. I can't see how you can do that. You can't really just point out one guy. All it's gonna do is your goaltenders next game are gonna come out, they're gonna lose two one and be like, come on, guys, you can't score a damn goal for us. I also like I've watched I w I was at the the Oilers and Sabres game where the
4: Oilers just took Buffalo to the cleaners. I watched another Buffalo game where they played the Leafs this year, and my analysis of the Sabres is that they are hot garbage. Like in their in their own zone, they are zombies. And I mean I don't think I don't think Carter Hutton and Linus Olmark are exactly a world beating duo in net but good lord you have to like you have to play some kind of defensive zone first if you're going to be a successful team and that that team they look like the like 2010 Oilers in their own zone man it was bad i just watched another one of the goals that was scored and uh the
2: goal the the sabers goalie makes two saves and then on the third one he's just sprawled out beside the net because he's done making his second save And the defense is Chris Russell in around them and to to just starfished out. And it's just, it's ugly. So, so it's a funny, it's a funny thing for him to say, especially after a game where the defense just let the goalie down.
3: Another interesting, uh, another interesting thing I want to point out as we approach the trade deadline in a couple of weeks is that the Oilers need to clear salary that we know. And I just want to go around the horn quickly just to see what you think of the players that, are at the end of their contract and whether or not that's somebody that might get moved as a means to try and clear out some space. So we've got Toby reader who is having the worst season of his NHL career. It does not get any lower than this for Toby reader. And I can't imagine there's a whole lot of a trade market for a guy with zero goals. However, he's making 2 million bucks. Is he somebody that you guys think would get moved out at the deadline real quick?
2: I no, I don't think there's anything out there for him.
3: Chris. Yeah, I could see it. I don't Like think, maybe somebody added looking to add some depth or whatever. Yeah. Or there's retain a million bucks.
1: Yeah, I I wouldn't consider Reader a like a washout friend team. I think he still has lots of potential. I think he can help a team out. I Jesse, think he can still help our team out.
3: Jesse Pouliarvi. Cam?
1: Jesse Pouliarvi getting moved right now?
3: Well, he's uh he's no, at there's the end no of way. his contract. He's going in we're going into the trade deadline
4: into the draft. Do you I think, think do you think Jesse's here? Next October, I think with all of the Oilers' forward RFAs, I would I would try and bring all four of them back on cheap deals. That's Pugliarvi, that's Reader, that's JJ, and that's Tyratty. Just like the team needs depth, and none of those guys have had good years. I mean, JJ's had a fine year, but I would bring any RFA back that struggled just for the sake of depth. Hundred percent, uh,
3: Dan. When you think about Jesse Pugliarvi?
2: oh, love the kid. I think there's a ton of potential there. I know the organization. There's been murmurs that not many people up top like him that much and when you look at the way that a team like bunch all has handled a f- his fellow Finn cock can in me that guy's got a wild name yeah uh, anyways cock- you see the, t- up you up see and the and way you handle him versus the way we've handled jesse i don't think it's jesse's fault once again so i agree with cam you gotta you gotta bring in our wingers again at cheaper deals and uh and then you know you just you you Try to pick away at it as a GM. Go
4: long term with Jesse this offseason. Eight years, one mil per.
1: <laughs> I think he pulls the trigger? I'm uh, I I'm expecting if there's a deal to be made, like a big deal, I'm expecting Pliau to be a part of it. <sighs> I think he'll he may be packaged with something, but it's tough to it's tough to guess what's what's going through Keith Gretzky's mind, uh, what he's gonna think. If if Peter Trelly was still in power, I would I'm like 75 percent sure Pliau would be gone, but I don't know. Well, and it's also when you look at this race in the West if you can call it that there's just zombie walk. It's just
2: an absolute. Yeah. So from, from the top of the wild card position with Minnesota, 57 points to the bottom of the division, or the conference with the Kings with 50 points, there's a seven point spread between nine teams there. So it, it, any, it's anybody's game at this point.
3: Where's the salary going to get cleared out? Is, do you think there's any value for a guy like Alex Petrovic? We just traded for him, but he's a UFA at the end of the year. Might as well try and get anything for him, right?
4: Yeah, if honestly, if you can recoup a fourth or a fifth, you gave up a third to get him. It's like, that's bad. But I would imagine the salary is going to come from waiving Manning and trading Petrovic for a pick, just undoing the Tirelli moves. Do you think there's going to
3: be any market for a guy like Ryan Spooner at the deadline with retained salary or any kind of combination of getting him out of here?
2: tirelli has been trying to get rid of him since he got him. So I don't know. I don't think... Uh...
4: Like, given that he cleared waivers, it's hard to imagine anybody will give up anything other than another bad contract for him. So if you want to take on a different bad contract, change a scenery deal, then maybe. But I'm thinking that my best guess is both him and Manning spend most of next year in the AHL with the Oilers.
3: Regardless, it's going to be interesting what happens. There's going to be a lot of work to do for the Edmonton Oilers as we move forward. And I want to close out this episode of the podcast with something a little bit more important, something a little bit more grandiose. Something a little bit more fun, Dan. Let's, Let's look start. at the Lucic gold draft. Oh, yeah. Fun, yeah. Back in the mix with the Lucic gold draft. This morning, Evan posted a picture from TSN on Oilers Nation's Instagram showing Milan Lucic with four goals in 2019. Patrick Laine with one goal in 2019. Maybe there's a one-for-one trade that we can
4: have here, right, boys? Straight up. Hey, Straight maybe up. throw an RFA offer sheet stab at Laine now. The off season. <laughs> I mean, the, like the Oilers have like... 10 cents of cap space so it's
3: like hey here's a league minimum offer sheet huh and he signs it yeah (laughs) absolutely yeah exactly real cheap draft picks so we are in the midst of chris week hell yeah we just started chris week last night against minnesota chris has mini uh san jose Pitt, carolina and the new york uh, or no then it goes back to cam with the new york islanders
1: so that's on the 15th the islanders game
3: Uh, The Carolinas on the 15th. That's still your game, Chris. And then the very next day, the Islanders. And that's Cam. Cam is back in the mix. As you all know, Cam leading this thing right now, three to one. Dan's the only other. uh, Dan's the only other drafter. Coming for you. With a goal.
2: Nope. Coming for that ass.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about whether or not there is a side bet to be made here where we're pulling our games against Cam.
2: And Chris just spit in our faces
3: chris spat in our faces because he is in chris week now and i'm curious if last night's game getting knocked off has affected your opinion of pooling against cam
1: no i'm still uh i'm still invested in my chris week i uh as long as Pl- luchi is playing in the top six i think i have uh, an equal chance at catching up to cam jared I, do me a favor cut chris's mic <laughs> and i don't think uh i think it's, uh, Will be an easy ride for you three um, to try get on my back and uh, want me to lead you to the promised land.
3: So you think we we'll would be hangers on if we pull our games?
1: Uh, yes. With my one goal and your zero. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Chris if, is
4: talking a pretty big game. Just, to just want to confirm confirm Early February
1: still got lots of months to go.
2: Why don't you go double or nothing
4: with Cam straight up then? Yeah. Once you guys give me a good offer, then I'm ready to pull the trigger. I feel very confident that I'm going to win regardless because I know my games that I picked are the right
1: ones. What's the double or nothing off? I don't know. You, so you guys got to like, offer me something, Chris. You should just offer straight I, up. I said that I'm interested. You're so in, I said
4: that I'm interested in your wedding ring. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> I mean, be ready to pull the trigger.
1: Okay. No, I'm. Uh, I'm. If I, if oh, I, you're not I, that confident. No, I got my, my eyes trick.
4: on that piece right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if I had a goal in my pocket right now, I'd be more inclined. But right Do you know now, how you could have like, a goal in your pocket. Lucic needs to get on the board. It's by picking it's
4: by picking better games. Well, it Done.
1: If you joined in with. The group, including myself, who has one goal. It's way too early in the month for that. And talk old- to me. Talk to me again on the 18th after family day long. No, long I long. don't want you then. And
4: your old boy
3: bag milk. It lo- I'm looking at the list right
4: now. March
3: is bag milk month. I've got six games in there.
4: Also, just remember the longer you guys wait to do this, the less leverage you're going to have. That's exactly right. Because if I got my three-one lead and it's the beginning of March and you got like seven games left, then maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not going to be so generous, and I want more than your wedding ring. So do
0: we go for a three three-peat, uh windiket then instead and leave Chris behind? I think we should because I, if he thinks he's that Luch still has four goals left in him that are all going to come on his games. All right, I think he's. No, gonna, no, I don't no. think he's I really. Think I don't think out. he's looked at it like. I don't think he's looked at it like that. Yeah, you're agree. down. You're down. Oh three. Should we? Oh three. Should we even let Rick talk right now? Who he blew hey, I showed, in I showed. I showed all the confidence in, <laughs> in the young man off the hop. I said, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go all in because I believe. I believe that's why I'm willing with my one goal to accept Rick into
2: the fold. Rick and doesn't I, have any games left. Doesn't matter. He not, like, believed in Lucic more than I you. Have two. two games if,
0: left.
4: If 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 Rick believed in Lucic, then you can believe in Rick. Exactly. See?
0: And <laughs> exactly. I yeah no I just I think uh, Chris that was an that was an easy way to even keep keep yourself safe. So you know what you got a free one goal there. I wish you guys the best Good to luck. the
2: listeners. If you have any suggestions for us. As to how we can kind of beef it up for Coom, to want to go up against this three-headed monster of Bag Milk myself and Rick, let us know. Let us know by
0: adding us, and a, then I think we can make a deal on the side that the the loser, we all put it on Chris. Now, yeah, yeah, I'm ready
4: for that. I think we should collude. I can make i I'm happy if I, when I win this thing to make Chris do something real fucked up. Yeah, yeah, you we'll definitely give up. Chris time collusion. Yeah, if you want to sure. throw
1: Chris around with the bus where he belongs, so now you're punishing me whatever it
3: I want to go ahead and thank everybody for listening to this week's episode of Boilers Nation Radio. I want to thank our friends at Sherwood Ford, the Giant. I want to thank our friends at Get Sauce And I want to thank Ultimata for hooking us up with this week's track called Wish Upon the Weather. Have a great weekend, everybody. Boilers.
4: Show to Manny. Best wishes.
3: Wish upon the weather.